Let's Start Podcast. Derek Stark here with my good friend, Jose Luis Munoz. Jose, how are we doing today? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you for having me here today. Uh, it's a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Uh, I remember when you and I talked about this idea a while back, and it's come to full fruition, and to see you put this together has just been great so uh, i love it thank you for having me appreciate it man and i appreciate you taking the time to come up the hill i know you're a busy man full-time in leeds now and uh, jose's feeling a little under the weather he he just got back from the dominican republic last weekend yeah yes. sounds like you caught a little bit of a sickness down there but you're kind of uh trudging through and and you're gonna stay strong here yeah yeah i'm happy to be here and if i sneeze a few times or if I get a runny nose, I uh, want to apologize in advance. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. It happens. Nothing is perfect. And to start, the same way that I like to start with all my guests is just kind of prefacing with the story of, of how we came to know each other. And um, it dates back two years now to Merchant's Pub here in Lawrence, Kansas, I remember going out and getting happy hour beers, late night happy hour. Hey, those happy hour those beers. happy hour beers, man. <laughs> Crucial. You meet the best people getting those happy hour beers. Yeah. And I went out with some of the fellow sport management and grad students, and I met you through kind of like Sari and John Mays, mm-hmm. and, you know, pretty, pretty quickly realized this is somebody that I want to spend more time with and just very genuine, and you, you kind of have that Midwest feel, even though I'm oh, from the West, uh, West <laughs> Coast. On, Arizona, <laughs> Arizona, but no, but uh, but but yeah, as as I we look back into how we met, I think it's it's pretty neat story. I had just gone back from from Rio de Janeiro from the Olympics, yeah, and it yeah, I was catching up with Sari and, and John Mays, and you you were there, and we kind of started off and connected pretty well, and uh, yeah, it was ever since then we we reached out to each other and stayed connected, which is pretty pretty neat little story of ours. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, early on we we would spend a lot of time going to Morning Star Church, and uh, we worked out together quite often. I remember doing that a lot, and I was starting to get curious about what you did in KU Leeds and really what KU Leeds was all about, and. Um, obviously eternally grateful for the fact that you ended up introducing me to, to your boss, Jane, or, or I emailed her and said that I was emailing her, um, per Jose and, um, built that relationship with her. And now we're, <laughs> we're not just friends, but we're colleagues. Like we, wow, we work together wow, every single day. Wow. Yes. It's come to full circle. It has, man. It really has. And I'm so happy to have you in our office. Um, you bring, um, positive energy and a different perspective into uh, our office so i'm really excited to see what uh this year has in store for us you and i and how we can continue to impact our student athletes but in general how can we have an impact here on this campus yeah i think that's a great point in that a lot of times we kind of get tunnel vision and we just focus on student athletes Mm -hmm. or, or where we're at and we don't realize that this is a massive campus with 30,000 students and professors and faculty and staff. And there's a lot of lives that can be impacted. And, you know, we're we're really fortunate and blessed to kind of have platforms where we are able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And, uh, and we'll, I mean, we're, we're, we're all getting started tomorrow uh, when yeah. we welcome our incoming 
and transfer students uh, to the University of Kansas and to see their start of their journey here. So it's, it's really exciting. It is. Tomorrow night is Traditions Night, they call it. And we'll get to hear from the new athletic director, Jeff Long, Chancellor Douglas Gerard. Um, I don't know if Bill Self's going to make an appearance, but he, he definitely did my first year here. And it, it just really gets the incoming students hyped and a good opportunity to just kind of show uh, off what being a Jayhawk's all about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, as a coach, you know, uh, we know there's both sides to everything. And this this side of it is the start of a new day, a new journey. Uh, and for 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 all all Jayhawks coming back on campus, it's it's huge. Uh, you got a new opportunity here, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, just keeping that in mind, and I think uh, bringing in perspective. I think the best when we're preparing for these this new year, new semester. Uh, how I like to prepare for it is take everything, erase everything, and merely just bring myself to this and and kind of see myself going through this and, and imagine myself going through it and walking um, through this. Um, because at the end of the day, as these Jayhawks, as these students prepare to come back to campus, the best thing that they can bring is themselves. Mm. And that we have to be reminded of of it, right? I remember when I was here uh, about eight years ago getting ready to to come to campus, right? I was I was worried about, oh, I need, or even even to, to, to this day, right, as we get ready to always get ready, like we, all, we have to have these fresh cakes, right, that yeah. new backpack or new new materials and or books. And, but at the end of the day, the best thing that we can do is just bring ourselves. Mm, that's beautiful, man. I think that can be applied in a lot, of, a lot of areas of life and kind of getting rid of those predispositions and um, eliminating expectations. And, and like you said, just kind of going into it with an open mind and realizing this is a new year. It's a new experience. Uh, we're evolving people. And uh, it's not about what we look like necessarily or uh, what we wear per se, but more so the the energy that we're able to bring and in the way that we're able to impact the students that we see tomorrow night. Yes. Yeah, man. Let's go. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking college athletics. We're working with student athletes. And something that I wanted to talk to you about right away is just the culture of college athletics right now. And, I mean, it's it's been negative for, for quite some time. You see scandals coming out, uh, Penn State and Sandusky and Baylor – in the football team and UNC's academic scandal and Louisville's had some stuff. And, and now we have this story coming out of Maryland that, you know, they lost a football player in June and it's kind of seemed like he was overworked and there was a little bit of negligence or I should say a lot of negligence in regards to his well-being by the coaching staff and um, stuff at Ohio State with, with um, you know, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, like, uh, you know, we're, we're lucky to not have any – thing like that coming out here at Kansas like it's a very good culture in my opinion but uh, what's your take on all of this like what, what what's going on oh <laughs> there's a lot of things that are going on <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of things going on but I think uh we truly have for, forgotten um 
what's in the best interest of our student athletes? I think uh, I, I want to look back to, to my experience. I, I was a Division One athlete here at the University of Kansas, and I fortunately got automatically disqualified. And I mean, even though in the in that moment, you know, at that time, I felt like it was probably one of the worst things that had happened in my life. I can look back and I can say my coach, our school doctor, was looking out for the best interest of myself mm-hmm. um, because they knew that I was going to be an athlete for a short period of time, but a citizen for a lifetime. And we've forgotten that our people who are at the top, uh, it's it's cloudy out there. And unfortunately, um, these people that make these decisions and uh, have a ripple effect on the student athletes. And those student athletes are the ones who sometimes um, have the consequences. So I think we have to go back and to make it student athlete driven mm. absolutely man um yeah I, I totally agree with you and it it's almost a blessing that you did get medically disqualified as um kind of backwards as that sounds because I feel like more often than not we have students who probably shouldn't be medically disqualified um or should be I should say and they're not like, you know, we got football players with tremendous amounts of concussions and other athletes that, you know, they have injuries that are risking long-term uh, serious damage, but we have maybe coaching staffs and departments that are pushing them because they want to generate revenue and they want wins. And, and they want wins. It's they, a they, short-term they thing. Wins, yeah. yeah. They, they want wins and they get caught up in that. Um, but at the end of the day, like there's, it's, it's so much bigger than just, that win right um at the end of the day every at the end of the day each week there's gonna be 50 percent are gonna go home with a win and the other 50 percent are gonna go with a loss that's the nature of this sport Mm -hmm. i mean i think uh but so much we want to win uh at the cost of anything and we'll do anything to get there yeah no doubt and it's almost like if you're not first, you're last. So if you don't win the if you don't win the championship, you know it's cool if you finish second rather than last. But like, is anybody going to remember that 10, 20 years from now? Probably not. But people are going to remember the way that you made them feel. And so as a coach, as a administrator, as a mentor, like that stuff that's that should be at the forefront of the mind. And uh, like you said, it's it's got to be a culture shift to the student-athlete first, student-athlete-driven, student-athlete-centered. And right now I think you see these, like, you know, massive paychecks going out to athletic directors and coaches, and and I understand they're very valuable people. Um, but when, when the stakes are so high, that makes winning um, at all costs, like you said, kind of what everybody's shooting for. And, and when you do that, we maybe compromise our values and um, – morals in in a lot of cases yeah so i think we have to continue to cultivate a culture and and kind of get back to our roots of of we're on the university campus um they're here to to continue to get their education and for many of them uh they're first generation students uh who are have never been through this experience 
So, so I think that's what excites me. That's what I'm passionate about is is seeing these students develop outside of the playing field, outside of competition, um, and how what they learn in their competition and practice and preparing for games. How if they apply those skills to life, how great they can become yeah. as citizens. Absolutely, because 99% of them are not going to go pro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's totally a fact. I mean, there's research out there that, yeah, just a very slim 1%, even less than 1% will make it to any professional league. And even the ones who do go pro, they're going to have to work afterwards. Or maybe they won't have to, but, they're yeah. you know, they're still going to have 30, 40 80 years left to live knowing modern medicine. Like they're, they're, <laughs> they're going to want to do something with their time. Yeah, well, most definitely. So uh, it's a, I think it's an interesting time in college athletics where there's a lot of change going uh, here in the next, I believe in the next five years, college athletics is going to look very different. Uh, and hopefully it gets back to having it soon athlete centered. And you're starting to see some of, some of the rules coming in from the NCAA, from institutions who who have that um, in place, so and who have that in mind, so yeah, all we can do is continue to 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 become the best mentors, best leaders on wherever we're at. If we work in college athletics on campus and and advocate for them because um, the student athletes do have a voice and they're starting to to use that. So it's there's it's powerful. It really is, man, and I hope that voice grows, and I always like to use the 1% compounding theory in that, like, if every day we just get a little bit better at what we're doing, we empower student-athletes a little bit more that, you know, we're not going to see these changes necessarily until we look back and and see the exponential growth and kind of look to see where we were and how far we've come, and and I think that's, like, a big part of what we do in KU Leeds is – yeah, empower student athletes. Yeah, and that's why I love coming into work every day, uh, having that in the f- forefront of my on my my to do list is always how, how am I impacting uh, the lives of student athletes and pushing them to become not only just the best athletes but the best student, the best citizen after they graduate after, and even even when they come back, I think I still get. Um, still get excited to see them and to hear how they're doing and how I can help them even after they graduate. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I love the work that I get to do um, with amazing individuals that work in K-Leads. So, uh, so, yeah, I think continue to have these kind of program programs in cross-athletic departments is, is important. Absolutely, yeah. I think we're just going to continue to see programs like KU-Leads grow, continue to see the growth of sports psychology and, and peak performance programs and all of it catering towards, yes, the outcome, more, more winning, better performance, mm-hmm. but also increasing the overall well-being of these student-athletes because they have a lot of demands on them, and, and they're also going to school, and they're at this really vulnerable age where you're trying to sort yourself out and figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. And, and they also have friends and social lives, and they date, and they deal with all the other stresses that, that we do too. And most of them are not wealthy, and a lot of them, the, the stipends they get go home to, to help their families who really struggle. And I think we fail to see 
things from their point of view a lot of times. Yeah, most definitely. There's, a, there's tons of intersectionalities, and it's the experience of student-athlete is so complex, and um, there's not just one story. There's multiple stories that come with it. But uh, as a student-athlete development um, department, which is that's what KU Leeds is, is we're there to meet them where they're at and being able to serve them and, and kind of cater what they need uh, from us and help them become champions for life. Absolutely. And a big part of that in KU Leeds is it's our mentorship program. So essentially each um, staff member has their own team or teams uh, and they meet with the freshmen on about a weekly basis and there's like a curriculum set up and I'm just going through this process for the first time and I'm really mm-hmm. excited to get rolling with it. But I'm just wondering, you know, uh, how do you A, gain trust of student athletes and B, make sure that it's the most like efficient and quality time spent with them? Because you, you only get so much time. Yeah, most definitely. You only have uh, 30, 30 minutes at at most to meet with uh, student athletes one-on-one and sometimes they stop by or can stay longer um, and talking about what you guys what the curriculum's about but I think how you, how you can gain their trust I think most definitely is just keeping it real and being vulnerable being vulnerable for for who you are I think I think just for me I'm just I'm keep it real for who I am what I stand for um, and I don't have no agenda at all. It's just my agenda is to be there to listen to them, uh, listen to un- to understand their their story, their background. And as we listen, we get to know who they are, and they'll they'll start to be able to share more about who they are. And as we ch- share who we are with them, there's we create this community. This we create this relationship that. Um, that they can come to you for anything. And this is really cool because, Derek, uh, as you will get to see, is that you're not their academic advisor. You're not their coach. You're truly you're there to help them out, to see them have that transition from becoming a senior in high school to a freshman in college. And how are you going to equip them through that transition mm-hmm. and you 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 you're able to share some of your experiences and I mean I go back to my freshman year and it was overwhelming right I was one of 28,000 students of uh, someone that um, for the first time I was living away from home uh, I was homesick uh, not a lot of people looked like me when I got here. So um, I see this program, it's very, very critical and so important for for them to have someone that they can trust, that they can go to. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm super excited to see you go through it as a mentor. And for your mentees, you're going to be a great mentor. But um, it's one of my favorite things that I get to do here is this Freshman Leadership Academy. Heck yeah, I appreciate that. And I have to say, there's probably not anything I'm more excited for 
than the, this program. Maybe the Rock Chop Choice Awards, but <laughs> yeah, it's just because I get to wear that. a tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, research shows the the benefits of um, of mentorship and how it can be so beneficial for the mentee as they transition through through this very critical time of their lives. I mean, here in the next four years, a lot of soon athletes make very um, a lot of choices, and those choices is a cause and effect, right, and a ripple effect. So having someone that they can go to and they, they trust um, at any point in their journey is so important. So, so yeah, I'm super excited to see you. Absolutely. Work. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, and I think these are such transformative years because the habits that they do instill, those are going to be habits that in your 20s you establish them, and in your 30s you're stuck with them. Mm, yes, so, yes, so we yes. get to help them build financial literacy and uh, soft skills. That's something I'm really passionate about. Like, how do you interact with people? What are the ways that you can listen better, right? You talked about listening and listening is something that in society right now, I don't think we have a lot of good listeners. People listen to respond. They don't listen to understand. And I think if we can help these students learn to listen to understand, I think that just helps people connect in different ways and, and like you said, become more vulnerable and uh, overall just have more sense of purpose and, and hopefully fulfillment in the long term. Yes, yes, totally agree. And I think going back to, to kind of what you're saying is, is awareness, awareness of who they are. And I think that's what a mentor is there for them, for them right? Helping them become um, shine light. Uh, and and making them aware of who they are. I like I like to say, in order to be more effective, you have to be more reflective. Mm. Tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I think I I want to apply. Let's for example, uh, as as for example, as an athlete, right? We we run a race. We we play a game, right? What's one thing that we do after a game? Because we watch film. Mm, you're right. We watch film. We, we're trying to learn from what we're doing, what's working, what's not right. So if we become more aware and we have to take time to to reflect, I think we can become so much better. So I think as a, men, as a mentor, you, you're really trying to shine light on some of the things that somebody else is doing and, and, and kind of empower them to, to reflect on them and say, hey, what is working? What is it not? And the more we do that, telling you the better we're gonna be off that's amazing man and yeah it's just like the kids already do so much of this they already mm -hmm. watch films so let's encourage them to let's do that in in real life like let's reflect on our day let's think about what went really well today and and in what areas could i improve or or for athletes that stretch before competition like hey how about we prepare for this meeting or for this interview, like, let's get ready. Let's get our mind ready in the same way that we get our body ready for competition or even class. Like, let's review some notes. There's yep. so many comparisons between sport and life. Yeah. And you know me, I'd love to make those metaphors. I'd love to yeah. make those, those connect those points because it's so critical, I think. And it's so easy to do and they... Just like that. You get it like that. Yeah. I love it, man. And, you know, we're talking about vulnerability and, and I wanted to talk with you a little bit about authenticity because I feel like you're one of the most authentic people I know. Oh, and that's one of the reasons that we, we connected right away. And, and I just felt that um, 
I felt the warmth and just the the fact that you genuinely want what's best for somebody else. Like you talk <sighs> about not having an agenda. And like I feel like you don't have an agenda. You're just you're just kind of like living life and <laughs> soaking things up and sharing your wisdom when you want to and and when you can. But um, you know, like what what does authenticity? What does that mean to you? What do you think of when you hear that word? Oh, that's that's a big word. I think we we'll, we would need a few uh, podcasts to <laughs> to get to, to break get... it down. <laughs> a couple beers. <laughs> no, but uh, I think authenticity. First of all. I, very kind words uh, of you, Derek. Thank you for for sharing that. Uh, but I think for me, it's staying congruent to your values. And for example, my values, uh, I stick to them. And I think that is what allows me to be fully authentic. Um, and my values is is just allowing me to, to live through that. So authenticity, that's one of my values. Uh, family is one of my values. Um, growth mindset is one of my values. Mm-hmm. Passion is one of my values. So I think sometimes when I make choices, make especially big choices, I have to look back and say, is this congruent to my values? Um, and it takes a lot of work. I think it takes a lot of work. Um, how do you show up in spaces? Um, it has taken me a lot of work to do and truly be able to be who I am in these kind of spaces, especially as a Latino, uh, uh, as as a first generation college student. Even when I show up, for example, to work, right? It took me time for me to use my voice to be comfortable with who I am and and be all right and to share my culture, share a little bit of me, because at the end of the day, that's that's what life is all about, and being very intentional about it. Uh, that's what living authentically means to me. And it do, I don't think it happens from one day to another. I don't think it happens in five years. I think it takes, a, again, going back to what I said, of being able to reflect and see who you are and sit with, with it to the core and just um, walk that walk, I think, is really important, not just that talk, but walk that Mm. that talking yeah i feel you man gotta i mean actions speak louder than words and that's what you're alluding to there and i think you're right on with with what authenticity is and being connected to our values and embodying them and 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 when other people recognize it in you when they're able to say like this guy has high character this guy is disciplined like that's that's when you know it's not just like Man, I'm so disciplined. I always am eating healthy and working out. And it's like, dude, I see you out for ice cream every night and drinking beers afterwards. And I think we give each, we, we we joke around in the office a lot. Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day is just truly being congruent to what you want to stand for. Derek Stark, what do you want to stand for? And making sure that whatever you do aligns with what you see yourself doing. I think it's really important. And for everybody, that's different. That's different, and that's okay. And that's what being authentic is, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I love, I love, I love authenticity. I think that's one thing that I look for in other people, um, especially now in a society where we live, right? Uh, where everybody's trying to be 
like each other, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're trying to be like that dude with a million followers on Twitter or or the the lady who's got three million on Instagram. Like everybody's trying to mimic each other and instead like People like us more when we are us. Like, we're, I'm friends with you because you're Jose. Yeah. I'm not friends with you because you're Jose Bautista or whoever. <laughs> like, you know? And, you funny. And I think a big part of authenticity also is is sharing our story, right? And and there's a lot of power in sharing our story and especially, you know, struggles and things that we've gone through that haven't been the highlights of our lives. Like, I think that's where we can really have an impact and, and touch lives because other people are going through the exact same thing that we have gone through and and that we're currently going through. Like we're not, we're not unique in our struggle. I think everybody, um, has, has different struggles, but like, it's not like there's not somebody out there who's experienced what you've experienced. And, uh, a big takeaway from our leadership retreat in July with the student athletes was you, um, being super vulnerable with the group and, and sharing, uh, you know, a mistake that you made in the past. And, and one of the reasons that it hit home for me is because I did the same thing, you know, when I was a freshman in college, I, uh, I got arrested and I, I paid the price, you know, I lost an, not only an internship, but like an entry level job with the Minnesota twins mm. coming out of undergrad and kind of my dream job or dream gig of working in professional baseball. And, you know, had the offer and they rescinded it when they did a background check. And it's, it's kind of haunted me to this day, but at the same time I look and see where I'm at and I'm incredibly grateful for that falling apart in a way, but, uh, just, just sharing our story and, um, getting over the fear of, of judgment. Wow. And, uh, I think, I think there's a lot to that. Yeah, most definitely. I think, uh, yeah, the leadership retreat. Uh, I I love being able to sh- to share that message with our student athletes because, like I say in the leadership retreat, we made leadership something bigger than what it is. We made it a superhero moment. We made it a grand moment that has happens once once a year. Or you have to have a certain title, right? But leadership happens everywhere, and it can happen just as quickly as a lollipop moment as mm. I sh- as I share that video, which yeah. is, I would recommend everybody go watch it. It's on TED Talk by Drew. Six minutes. Yeah, six minutes changed your life completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I love sharing that with our student athletes because we need people to step up in situations where we see somebody else who might need help, right? Mm. Or who who needs to be told something that they don't want to necessarily hear. Um, that's what true leadership is. It's not just giving orders, right, or or authority. Leadership happens up. It happens horizontally as well. And for us to, to be able to be vulnerable, it's huge. And I think what you said, um, I think fear sometimes holds so much from sharing our story mm-hmm. and we all have a story and, and, and being able again to be aware of who we are and how somebody else might respond to it. I, I love referring back to, to the platinum role, um, which is another step further than the golden rule, right? The golden rule is treat others like you'd like to be treated. 
uh, the platinum role is treat others like they would like to be treated, right? Because you don't know what they're going through, right? You don't know how they might be identifying as, you don't know their, their, their story. So you can't treat, I can't treat you, I can't treat Derek Stark like Jose Munoz. I have to treat Derek Stark like Derek Stark. Mm. And that, how does that happen is through communication. Mm-hmm. Communication is important. Communication. Part. Listening. Understanding. Yeah. Listening to understand. Like getting to know people and, and like really learning their personality and what makes mm. them tick. Yeah. Pulling those layers, right? Pulling those layers the of onions. onions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for real. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's so true. It's so true. And so, so, so many times we just stop in the first few layers and we just... We get content. We're like, okay, well, I know enough. And like, you know, this is uncomfortable. And, and being vulnerable with, with people, you know, it's, it's not super comfortable. It can hurt. It can make you feel emotions that aren't super desirable. But, I mean, the more you can peel and, and dig into that onion, I think the more benefits you're going to receive when you get through that onion and like finally having somebody where it's like, well, I've already told them everything. Like they, they know my story. They know my biggest failures and, and they know what I'm insecure about and all, all that kind of stuff. So there's no reason I can't bring this little problem to them. I can talk to them about anything. Yeah. And being mindful and aware is so important of that. 100% man. Well, that's, that's good. That's good authenticity talk right there. <laughs> also, I want to talk to you about the nine to five, man. Nine to five? I'm horrible at that. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, but I mean, you and I, we both, I think we've got entrepreneurial spirits in us. Uh, we've talked about it in the past. Like, you know, it's, it's not super easy to, to spend your entire day working for somebody else and it's a little different when you're in college athletics and we're serving student athletes and um you know you were a division one student athlete and I've been connected to sports my whole life like it is different but um you know the world is changing and the digital age is is really um providing opportunities for people to break away from kind of you know, just the the society that we've always known mm. and all these corporations. And I'm just wondering, like, what, what what do you think about that? Like, do you think it's healthy to have a nine to five and something that um, every day you kind of like it gives you purpose and it's something to go do? Or, or do you think it almost kind of like can hold people back in a way and be a safety valve when maybe there's other options out there? Uh, nine to five is very traditional. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for those who who know me, I'm kind of the non-traditional person. So um, I think to each his own, right? I think uh, you find that place where you want to work and that allows you to do that work that you want. Uh, because some people might not be able to work from remotely or work, um, go to work into the office three times a day, three times a week, and then the other days work from home, right? Uh, but I truly do believe that uh, we're going into into a time where you will see you'll see more of these industries and companies go away from that nine to five. 
I think is rapidly changing really quick. And I think it's the future. I think it's a future where we will be working um, remotely, um, but still at the same time being able to, for, for those industries where you do need your face-to-face, right? That, that is never, there's, that is never going away. Um, but you will see where companies where you might not come in on a Monday and come in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then you'll have your Friday off. And if you see some of those industries that are already, those, some of those companies that are doing that, mm-hmm. they have some of the most productive employees and most happy. And again, it's that, I mean, I like to, I love seeing all these companies because I think they're onto something. They're, they're innovative and they're, they're the apples. They're the Googles, right? Where, where, where they're, they're trying to allow their employees to that space to be creative, to, 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 to be responsible of their own time, not just me. Hey, Derek, you have to be here from nine to five, and you you don't have anything to do, then you still have to be here. Like, no, the work that you can be doing here, you can be doing it from a coffee shop, mm-hmm. especially when you don't have a meeting. So, so, yeah. Um, if I run my my own little little gig or my own little business, I think um, having trust in my employees and allowing that that space where. They can, they can go and if we don't, if they don't have a meeting that they have to be in, like, I think it's important. I think it's healthy. I think you're starting to see a lot of those um, companies go that direction. Absolutely. And just because something worked in the past doesn't mean that it's going to work in the now. And, And like you said, some of these companies are really evolving and adapting to the new times and what it all boils down to is just having accountability mm-hmm. is when you have employees who are accountable to themselves and to one another and and to the company you know you you can do that you can give them the freedom and autonomy to hey you don't have to be in the office and and I've always felt that I was the kind of person who would rather um, work four days a week for 10 hours a day and have a three-day weekend because mm. that just allows me to really recharge the batteries rather than spending, you know, five out of seven days working. And, like, as everybody knows, you leave work and you're tired, man. You you Typically, you're not super energetic. And by the time you get to the weekend, you just need to, like, relax. But you got to get groceries and you got this and that and everything and other obligations. And for us, we work a lot of weekends. So it's, like, it's tough. And I, th- I just think that there's so much potential in, in escaping the nine to five, yeah, and I, th- and I think the, it's the rat race. Our generation is is, is that way. I yeah, think you we start, are. <laughs> you started to see our generation really, really seek that and find those opportunities where um, it's just not to five job, um, but it's. I think so. I'll, oh, sorry. I'm gonna sneeze, <laughs> but I had something really good. So, <laughs> so no, I think uh, it's become. Uh, and I mentioned it to Haley uh, today as she's getting ready for. For grad grad school, but I think it's uh, um, not a, a balanced life, but a blend life. Mm-hmm. A blend life, and 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 how do we integrate everything that your hobbies, work, your priorities into life? Because at the end of the day, I don't think there really is gonna be this perfect balance. But how do we blend them all together where you can feel fulfilled every single day? 
um, and with these experiences that you want to experience, uh, how do how do we blend that together and make it the life that you want to live? Mm. I think it, I think it's important. So. Yeah, I agree. It, and you're right; it's not a blend, but instead, it's like an assimilation. It's bringing everything together, kind mm-hmm. of like the melting pot that is America. Um, and and the cool thing is, is as we continue to grow and find even more and more and more fulfilling work, like at some point our work is going to become maybe the same thing that our hobbies are. Mm. And like, that's the dream. Maybe it's idealistic, but you know, I I think what I, I think it's important to have hobbies that are different than your work. Yeah, I agree. Totally. I I, I think, I think it's important because I think it gives you a whole different perspective and it just allows you to escape. Um, So yeah, I think I would, I personally believe that I want different hobbies than, my work mm-hmm. because it gives you a whole different perspective, a uh, different way to, to see things than my work. Right. And that, and it allows you to kind of turn off too. Yes. But like, so for instance, right now, podcasting is a complete hobby for me and it, it could be a lifelong hobby and that'd be a cool way to kind of like leave my imprint and for my kids and grandkids to like, be like, Oh, this is like who dad was or grandpa was. Um, but maybe it turns into something that is more than just a hobby someday. Whereas like, I really like to drink craft beer. <laughs> like that's forever going to be a hobby. Yeah. I'm never going to turn that into a business or something more than, and that's perfectly okay. Yeah. Or, or reading, um, or running like stuff like that. Like totally, totally feel you and totally agree that you have to have something that is outside of work. And that turns into like an entire talk about identity and what makes up our identity. And mm. if, if our identity is totally consumed with our work, when we get fired um, or, or we don't get that raise or the, the, the company goes bankrupt, like that's, that's when you hit, um, you know, ground zero, you, you hit rock bottom. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think identity in our in our work, we have to be careful with that, um, or with anything, mm-hmm. uh, right? Anything. Be, be careful. It's not what you become. What you do, it's not what you become, because mm-hmm. uh, we don't want that um, us to to become um, that, right? Or find our worth in, in 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 our job or in our career. I think it's something that we do, and we we do it very passionately, but we have to be able to again be filled with other things and and find fulfillment in other things because no I don't know, I just think our values can't be just put together because of work. And there's no guarantees. No, there isn't. So I might be here today, I might not be here tomorrow. Yeah. A better opportunity might come come along or um, you know, the new boss might decide that Derek and Jose don't dress up well enough. We don't look good enough. So he sends us packing. What if he actually listens to the podcast? <laughs> That'd be epic. Okay, if you, Jeff, if you're listening, I hope you will be my next guest and we can talk about the 8 a.m. rule and shirts and ties. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. We're going to get a phone call. You watch. No, but I think it's important. Nine to five, what does that mean? Um, what does... What does professionalism mean? I mean, you we have these kind of conversations in our in our department, uh, but yeah, I think how can we com- continue to 
adapt to our needs of our generation and continue to evolve. I think it's really important as we as we become business leaders because mm-hmm. I, I truly do become I, I truly do think that um, us leaders um, or if you're a business right somebody that you see successful is they're they're already reimagining what next week looks like mm, yes visualization yeah they they they're already reimagining what KU leads can look like a year from now mm-hmm. how can we make it better right it's not just sticking to the status quo so as you and I go off and venture off i think that's why I think you're going to be very successful is because you are, you have a vision and you see what this hobby can might look like if you continue to put your passion and dedication. And yeah, I think that's what makes us so successful. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. And, and one of our favorite hobbies is travel. Travel. You know, we, we've both done quite a bit of traveling in the past few years, and you a little more than me, especially as of late. I mean, this summer's <laughs> been eventful for you. Was it five countries? Yeah, I mean, I went Mexico City, uh, Dominican Republic, Thailand, Cambodia, and back to Dominican Republic. So, yeah. And Vancouver last Vancouver, winter. Yeah, which, oh, man, I really want to get out there. Oh, I highly recommend it to anybody yeah. uh, to to visit it's uh yeah you can escape into a city to the mountains uh, it's just a beautiful city very uh a lot of cultures come together in that city and the food is amazing food. Um, just very diverse in geography and people and food and that's why i love vancouver mm. so i'm wondering like if you think when it comes to travel like when we travel, like we get inspired and, and we come back and I feel like our tanks are filled up and whatnot. Um, but I wonder, do you think like a part of the big like travel thing, the travel bug right now in society, is it like people trying to like escape their realities in a lot of ways, you know, because it seems like we live in a society where a lot of people are miserable and by no means is that our reality and very lucky that it's not, but like, do you think people are just trying to, like, get away? Or when it comes to millennials, do you think it really is about, like, just obtaining new experiences and adding to our life resume? Yeah, I, I, I truly do think it, it, you hit it where, as a generation, we're, we're global. Mm-hmm. And we want to experience and see what's out there. Yeah. Um, we don't... We, we re, our resume is about experiences, not about the titles or the work experience and that's that's completely changing um if you would tell i'm sure like if you could get a job doing this or get a trip getting paid to travel around the world i'm sure our new generation will probably pick going to experience our world Mm -hmm. and traveling i think uh i think it's it's uh it's beautiful, but I think as one thing is we have to be very intentional on how we travel and not just mm. um, go and, for example, there's a difference between vacationing and me vacationing in a different country than me 
traveling and actually being intention as I travel. Yeah. Because I can go and travel to Vancouver and I can stay in a five-star resort and never leave that resort. It's not the same travel than the travel that I do is actually emerging myself and seeking those experiences. Um, so I think we have to be mindful of that, yeah. 100%. Between vacationing and actually travel, mm. a traveler. Intentional traveling and soaking up cultures and, mm-hmm. and tasting their food and meeting the people and yeah, going to the local I, I mean, I experienced staying in a five-star resort for a day. Um, and literally, you do not have to leave this resort at all if you don't want to. Everything is provided. Yeah. So so I can say I went to Cambodia and stayed in a five-star resort and never experienced what Cambodia is or has to offer mm-hmm. or the people. Uh, so I think it's important to, to distinguish vacationing and a traveler. Um, very important. So um, are the people escaping their realities? I think they're, they're not escaping. I think they're starting to realize that they're able to do that. Um, and I think that comes from a very privileged, I'm saying that from very privileged because um, I, I understand that not a lot of people are able to travel. Not a lot of people are able to leave a country freely as I am or have the income to do that. So as all we're starting to see that a lot, it's not very accessible, um, this kind of traveling. It takes a lot of resource, a lot of time. A lot of these people, um, many of these people don't have that, that, that time that can take off of work or don't have the, the income to do that. So although we're starting to see a lot of our generation do that, um, it's because I think it's becoming a little bit more accessible, but we still have a long ways to go. And I think that's why I like to sh- post, and that's why I love to post pictures of me traveling Instagram because I know when I travel... I don't see a lot of people that look like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it's huge. Like, I, I, I look around and see, and usually you get a lot of white with a lot of income and, and uh, from, from a whites with high SES, right? And it's not always like that, but I think that that's why I like to share my, where I'm traveling because my belief is if he can do it then eventually I'll be able to do it and that comes with education with empowerment mm-hmm. but yeah I think I think uh, I, uh, as I travel I see that and I think it's still need to, it's not as accessible as as we should right I mean we look at borders we look at I mean it's just so complex but I guess I think travel has given me a different perspective of just meaning and absolutely purpose. yeah you're right and and having somebody else see you travel um you know maybe it's a young latino boy and it encourages him to be like i, I can do that someday like yeah, I, and I, got, I can get out i've gotten so many messages believe it or not here this past summer and re- people reaching out to me and saying hey like how do you plan a trip like and it, for me that gets me so excited about me being able to share and and help help that help them plan, but I think it's something that 
Um, even within their own cult, our own culture, right? I think it's we're very traditional sometimes, and um, we as Latinos we love to stay close to family, and sometimes we never leave our our nest. Um, but I've been very fortunate for to to be able to uh, to put those things together and see my brother, my sister. Um, travel and experience experience new new countries and uh, I think it's beautiful and it's memorable. Right on, man. Yeah, I I love it and I love seeing you travel and all the stuff and and I can relate to. I had a lot of people back when I was traveling Europe a couple of summers ago reach out and they're like like How are you doing this? Like you're living the dream. This is incredible. I just want to travel. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad. What I'm doing is inspiring you to do it and you can do it too. Like. I've I've never made a ton of money. Uh, I do practice really good spending habits yeah. and saving habits, but I think it's a fallacy that you need a ton of money to travel. Like you you can travel on fifty bucks a day. Um, so if you start saving ten fifteen bucks a week, like you you can make a trip happen six months from now. Yeah. And I think it it has to do with your growth mindset and just. Adopting a belief that that whatever you want, whatever you set your mind and eyes on, like you you can obtain it, you can achieve it. And if you you want to go spend some time in Ireland, check out the Cliffs of Moher. Like you, yeah, you've been you can there, make huh? it happen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pretty cool spot. I'd say Galway is really nice. I'm not a huge fan of Dublin, but uh, what's your being your favorite part that you've I mean, I think that's actually, I'll take that back. That's a really difficult question because every place it is, is so hard. different. It's so hard. But, I mean. I would go with Iceland. Iceland's the first thing that came to my mind. And it's just, Iceland's, it's becoming a very trendy spot to visit. Uh, and for good reason, because it's just so majestic. And it's just so green and the rolling hills and the waterfalls and did Black you know, Sand Beach. Did you know there's a direct flight from Kansas City to Iceland? Iceland Air. You got to get on it. I'm, dude, let's do it together. Let's you, go. You just let me know when. and Go check out the Northern Lights. Oh, yeah. I, the best time I've heard is like sometime after November. I the, think I've heard. It's, it, it can be incredible. The only thing is it's very dark. So we wouldn't have a lot of light to work with, but we would be able to see Northern Lights. We could experience our culture. It's very different in Iceland, though. Like People are not necessarily warm and welcoming and friendly, and it's not that they're mean or cold, but it's a country of 300,000 people. Um, and everybody tends to keep themselves a little bit more. So, uh, I, I never felt as if there was animosity between them and us as Americans, but you really, you have to be intentional about approaching people and engaging in conversations because they're not necessarily just going to walk up to you and, um, you know, we, we don't necessarily fit into their culture in some way. So they probably recognize us as outsiders. Hmm. <laughs> I know how that feels like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, and I don't really, and that's one of the cool things about traveling too, mm. is like, it, it helps me experience life as a minority, mm. which is something that I haven't experienced nearly enough of. And I think that like you can handle adversity and you overcome adversity really well. And for me, I'm at a point in my life where I'm starting to realize that like I'm not super good with adversity. Like I I work hard and I build relationships and and I'm an overall like, you know, very You're nice guy. Yeah, go getter. But um when the odds are against me, like sometimes I fold rather than like overcome. So I think that's something that, you know, not that travel is gonna help me 
uh, overcome <laughs> huge obstacles like it is for play for the most part. But it does kind of it makes you more aware and more, I would say, conservative in some ways. Or I don't know. It's just like a really vulnerable feeling that I'm struggling to articulate. But when you know that especially with the way the world is right now, like Americans are kind of looked down upon. I mean, we elected Donald Trump as our president. No, I I think it gives you a different perspective. And with that different perspective has comes a huge different understanding and a different lens, Mm, A a different lens that what we say here in the United States that we are who we are. It doesn't necessarily see the other people don't see it that way. Um, so, yeah, I just think it gives you a different lens, lens where you see things differently. Absolutely. And there's one quote that I saw this week. I think it was Marcus Aurelius or one of the Stoics, but it talked about how um, in the same way that we like to travel externally and go other places, like human beings need to spend just as much, if not more time, traveling internally mm-hmm. into like the depths of our soul and like really uncovering, like, who am I and and what do I want to do in this life and um, what am I interested in? What are my values? Who do I want to spend time with? Where am I investing my energy? And I think that's maybe something to kind of wrap things up with is just encouraging people to travel where you are. Um, Take some time to be still and be quiet out in in nature and, and be bored. Be bored. <laughs> it's okay. It, it's it, yeah. I think going back to how we started, the thing is just being able to be reflective. And for so many people, that looks differently. For me, it's journaling. Mm. Yeah, it's good. It's sitting in my hammock outside, watching sunsets. Um, so yeah. I, I, I like that. So I uh, appreciate it, Derek. Thank you for, for having me here. Um, it really, as as we were walking up to campus, I told you, this feels so surreal to yeah. to have an invite from you uh, to come and be part of your pa- podcast. Hopefully it's not the last time. No, it definitely on, will not be <laughs> the last time. <laughs> no, depending. No, this has been really fun, and yeah. I think uh, – um, there's tons of value into what you're creating, and I'm so happy that you get to do what you've been wanting to do for so long, and you're up and going already. Um, so to all the listeners, I definitely recommend you checking out all the previous podcasts that um, he's created with um, tons of knowledge and wisdom from other guest speaker so mm-hmm. um, appreciate it much love Derek yeah right back at you Jose I really appreciate you coming on and this has been one that I've really looked forward to because I do remember talking to you about podcasting back in the day and how much I wanted to start and you know one of the hardest things to do is to start when we Ooh. when we want to get rolling on a new initiative and um, it's been really fun and we're just getting started here. So I appreciate everybody for listening. I know this is a longer episode, but it's been one of my favorites so far. This is <laughs> been going for a while oh, and, yeah. uh, hopefully next time we can double the length. I think we got it in us, but thanks again for stopping by Jose. I hope you feel better this weekend and, uh, hope you all have a, a wonderful 
day, weekend, whatever is going on in your world. I hope it's great and uh, just appreciate your ears. So we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.